Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Brace yourselves, winter is coming. What the writers of games, uh, Game of Thrones didn't want to tell you is that Bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor or hair trimmer. Not sure what you want as a gift for the holidays? Well, Manscaped is the ultimate gift, and they're here to change the men's grooming game. And you can get 20% off, plus free shipping if you use the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is the best in the business. This hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Boxers, Travel Kit, and Liquid Formulations. The new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts, and even has a light to help with your close shave down there. No need to have a red wedding situation next time you're going for a trim. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer can help you whack those nasty weeds in your delicate holes. This product also has proprietary skin-safe technology to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. The Performance Package also includes Crop Preserver. It's deodorant for your balls to protect against chafing. Also, their Crop Reviver Ball Toner will keep your boys fresh at all times. Maybe you're on the other side of the wall and you don't know when your next shower is. No worries. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes are for you. Have smelly feet? Manscaped can help with their foot duster, foot deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet. Want to smell good everywhere? The Refined Cologne by Manscaped is a clean and fresh scented designed for the refined gentleman. On top of everything, they've even thrown in the shed travel bag to carry your goods and the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs to hold the entire package together. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. Might as well make them beautiful. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNFILTERED20. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. These products are snow joke. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 226. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. Treg Wilson is unavailable to us tonight. Uh, something came up, so he just could not join us for this episode. And it is a doozy. All kinds of things happening in the uh, the Habs empire. Finally, some positive things to talk about. Yes, Actually, the last couple days, uh, as we record, it's Wednesday night, uh, January 19th. The last couple days have been very positive for the uh, Montreal Canadiens. So uh, we'll cover a little bit about the last two games as they're in the middle of a, a road trip this week. Uh, and then we'll we'll dive into uh, some news about Drouet and his fine. And then go on to, you know, may as well mention it in passing. Can't use being introduced as the new general manager for the Montreal Canadiens. Let's do it. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before we begin, I want to make a nod to our sponsor, Boxing Rock Brewing Company, located in Shelburne, Nova Scotia. Uh, 
we're being sponsored by Puck Off Loggerdale. So Puck Off Loggerdale, if you got up at the break of dawn and spent all day drinking rink coffee while cheering your team under your hockey blanket, you and your dedicated ways deserve a super refreshing, perfectly normal beer to share with your friends. Puck Off Loggerdale is brewed with hockey and all of its characters in mind. Cheers to, the, to a great Puck Off and cheers to you, hockey parents, inspiring coaches, valiant referees, and of course, the ever loyal fans. You'll note in that, uh, in that salute that there was not one mention of the war room in Toronto. <laughs> so even the brewing companies know, screw them. That's right. <laughs> Which, rem- uh, and a couple of calls actually went Montreal's way. Would you going back on that? Would you really want a beer that was for them though? It would just kind of just be flat and. Well, I mean, it would be so inconsistent because one beer it would be full and it would be tasty, and the next beer you'd probably crack open the can and nothing would come out or just be an empty can. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll begin with a little bit of a review of the last couple of games. So the Canadians played. Uh, the toilet bowl against the Arizona Coyotes and came up short there and then followed that up with the second game in 24 hours playing the uh, Dallas stars where they came out ahead. So the Arizona game, they were completely flat. They played like garbage. There was, they were uninspired. They didn't seem to have any jump to their, uh, to their game and they were completely outworked. I mean, that's, pretty much why they lost and the fact that the game was still fairly close is a testament to how bad the other team was pretty much but when you when you look at the Arizona Coyotes who currently sit eighth in the central Montreal is obviously eighth in the Atlantic and these aren't two powerhouse rosters that are you know turning heads for the right reasons this season and uh for you to get it worked by the Arizona Coyotes is, is really something. So I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. And, 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 and for them to um, put on the performance that they did, which could have been inspired by their, the new GM and people wanting to um, impress their new GM. They actually put out a pretty good performance last night against the Dallas Stars who are very good at, or they're a very, very good team at home. Yeah, they only lost. That was their fourth game at home, I think. Um, the good news with the Arizona game, if you're going to look for any good news at all, is that nobody really saw it because the the, the building was completely empty. Which is a whole other thing. And yeah, oh yeah. Them, you know, them being the NHL continuing just to hold that organization above water is just mind-blowing. And I brought this up in the past. I brought it up on my social media and uh it's funny because you say that about other franchises and I've done it in the past because Florida's the same way. And um, the only thing is Florida's got a really good team and they've got really good management, et cetera, et cetera. And I won't go on and on and on about them, but I've posted before that, you know, the Florida Panthers will look good in Quebec city. And I've had Florida Panther fans come after me and say, Oh, we don't want to move the team and everything. You know, there's six or seven people that support them, you know, went after me. Not the same way with Arizona, though. <laughs> yeah, nobody really came after you on that yeah. one. No. But um, we'll move on to the Dallas game, because there's actually things to talk about in that game. The yep. Canadians came out, and, and they they actually looked pretty good. They they played a solid road game. They got they got outshot. Which they tend every to do single period. quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, the good news, though, is that they were – the majority of the shots came from out the, uh, from the outside, but there's still far too many high danger chances. Absolutely. And Dallas did control the majority of that game because they, I think they took over 105 shot attempts. Um, <coughs> so that's not a bless you. That's uh, that's not good. 105 shot attempts is just not good no. um, for the Canadians. Uh, Montembeau stole that show. He did. It was, it was 
probably his best game easily easily his best game of the Canadians and um I know I've been a little bit harsh on him and say you know I've said things like when is this when are we gonna you know when's the Montembeau show over and uh last night he made me kind of eat my words and he, he had a really good game and without him and the performance that he put through and uh, several lucky posts I'll put that in there oh yeah um you know, Montreal probably would have won that game. Well, and I'm not going to be expecting him to be able to play like that every time. No, not that'd at be... all. Especially on a back-to-back. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, he only played the one period. Uh, for some reason, uh, Ducharme decided after the second period in Arizona that he was going to pull Primo, and that had nothing to do with his play. I think that was more to protect his uh, his confidence, really, because – I think so. He was kind of left out to dry. He was. So Montembeau came in. He played an excellent game. I, I mean, yes, he was still giving up big, fat, juicy rebounds, but he he was athletic. He 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 battled in that crease. He was uh, diving uh, diving back and forth. He was making the saves he needed to make, and the Canadians stepped up and provided some goal support to Foley's first game back. I mean, he had a goal and an assist. Yep. Anderson's uh, Anderson's second game back, he scored. I think and it was one of Dvorak's best game with the team. Yeah, he got two goals. Yep. And then uh, and then Pizzetta knocks one in off his face. <laughs> the, uh, that, that's a hard-working goal right there. It is. And um, he's been asked, with all these players returning to health, um, if there's a spot for him in the lineup. And He's showing that he he can play. He can. He's showing that he's he can do the little things in the little ice time that he gets under Ducharme. That he can put the puck in the net every now and then, or he can make a play, or he can make a hit, or he can play with energy. And he shows that he should be, as of right now, at least be on the fourth line, if not a thirteenth forward at the NHL level. Yeah, he's he's playing a game where you can rely on him defensively. Uh, he can he does well in tr- working the cycle, keeping the puck up ice. Um, he'll finish his checks. He's going to give you an honest shift every time he's on the ice. And every now and then, you know, I mean, he does go to the net quite often. So every now and then something's going to go off his face. Absolutely. Obviously, <laughs> when you start looking at some of the players that are going to be coming back, you look at Gallagher, et cetera. Yeah. Obviously, Pizzetta's not going to outplay Gallagher. But when guys like Paquette are, are available, then Paquette can go down on waivers like Belzil did, in my opinion. Yeah, and he'll clear just like Belzil did. Exactly. I, I, I would not be adverse to watching Pizzetta play on a fourth line on a regular basis. And I think he's, they sat him in the Arizona game, not, not because of his play or that someone else deserved that ice time. I think it was more to see if uh, Laurent Dauphin could provide a, a, a consistent game and, and see what else he can give because he hasn't been dressed often enough for the coach to say, yeah, I know what to expect from this guy yep, now. Yep. Whereas Pizzetta, you know what you're going to get. That's right. But in a game against a team like Dallas, in Dallas, you need players like Pizzetta. Um, yeah, so... Moving on from uh, going back to the Anderson goal. I mean, we were talking about it earlier in the show and we've mentioned it in past shows. The calls have not been going Montreal's way. I mean, even no, not even Gallagher has made tweets about, you know, what the hell's going on with these calls. Which I'm surprised he hasn't, that he didn't receive anything for it. Well, we don't know if he did or not. They might've just fined him and just kept it kind of quiet. He's been pretty silent on social be. media since. That could be. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to say. It's hard to yeah, say. Yeah, it is. Uh, although I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a fine that the whole team would pass the hat around. Oh, so, so with the fan base. Because it's yeah. true, this is the truth. And it's not just the Canadians fan base. You can look at any single team's fan base. And they can point to a goal that, that, that was disallowed to them this year that was allowed to another team against them in the same yeah. year. Yeah. Like it's just so inconsistent with uh, 
with that situation room. Yeah. You don't know from one day to the next what the hell call they're going to make. That's right. So I think his... and we look and well, we look at the one in Arizona. Yeah. And the one that's in question, it was it, lo- it looked like the player backed up into the goalie and, and made contact with his ass and and it was it looked like it was you know it was it was on the cusp but i think it was more interference than say what gallagher's was and the goal yeah. and the goal stood yeah that goal there was more like the goal that was disallowed uh, earlier in the season against carolina where he had his his butt was just kind of sitting in the crease and anderson yeah, tried yeah. to move up to stop it yeah. so yeah yeah i could see that i mean if you're going to disallow one disallow the other or just allow both yeah. i mean Find some consistency. That's exactly. all. That's all we ask for as fans. And, and the Anderson goal is kind of like the Chicago goal. They finally had something consistent there. Chicago's goal in overtime, they ruled it a goal because they said that it was the defender that pushed the forward in, knocking the net off, so it counted. In this case, it was kind of Anderson was crashing to the net, but a little bit of a shove. He runs into the goalie. The net comes off. They still counted it a goal. So a call finally went Montreal's way. And they were consistent because it was yeah. kind of the same and they made the same call. That's right. And then you had the one where um, Montembeau laid down on the puck. Well, you couldn't see the puck all you the way across. You couldn't see it, right? And I I would have thrown something if that would have been a goal. Oh, yeah. Because there was nothing that, like, no angle that they showed. Could you see the puck that was actually across the line? Was it? Probably. If it did, if it did cross the line, we have to give Suzuki props for what he did. A hundred percent, right? It pushing having that his stick on the puck underneath Motambo. Yeah. If it did cross the line, Suzuki was the one that took that goal back. Oh, hundred percent. It like it probably went across the line, but I'm gonna give. But they made the right call two two times in that game, and well, honestly, it's probably the only two calls the Canadians are gonna get because they got two in one game. So. Let's yeah. just, let's just take it. Let's just take it. Uh, take the, take the positive as, as we can for now. Yeah. Oh, and it was clearly getting to the uh, Dallas stars. I mean, the stars are a decent, a really good team and especially at home and the Canadians were frustrating them at every single turn. They were, they were hounding them. I, I know Dallas outshot them. Like, I think it was about double, <laughs> double the shots, but the Canadians were still, they were hanging in there. They, they were, they scored some timely goals. I mean, those two goals in uh, 22 seconds really changed the, uh, the look of the game. Two quick goals like that. And the Canadians were ahead on the road. They can, they can kind of play rope-a-dope the rest of the way. And they did. Um, and then they provided some more uh, run support for, for Motambo. It was, it, it was a rare sight. If we just want to go back to shots for a second, the Canadians had 22 shots last night. Um, Pavelski, Hints, and Sega combined had 27. They all had nine apiece. Yeah, and that that shows that's why that they were they were just so frustrated. I mean, you could and you saw near the end of the game, uh, there was a face off right near the end of the game between Drouet and Sega, and Sega. Oh, dirty little shot to the face with a cross check on Drouet. Drouet did not appreciate that. Normally he backs down and he kind of skates away from that kind of stuff. But in this case, he fought back and he fought back hard. He did. A couple of, couple of strong cross checks right back into Sagan's face. And then a little bit of a, how do you do? Yeah, I don't think, ice. and I don't think Sagan saw that coming from Drouet because he's not yeah. really that player. So when he knocked his helmet off, you could see it in, in Sega's face was like, whoa, dude, like, <laughs> calm the fuck down. And the right call was made on the ice. Yes. They right? called, it a, gonna, they called right, it a major I'm, right away. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, defend Drew on that one. No. It was the right call. And I said, it's something rare that you see from this player. And we saw Anderson and Ben, who Ben was trying to get his team fired up as well. And um, he had that one play uh, before that, that he gave uh, Montembeau an extra whack and everybody kind of came in on him. So he was looking to spark his team. Yeah. Um, 
but the linesman jumped in really quick. And uh, I know hockey fights is all over that and, <laughs> and gave shit to that linesman for, uh, for breaking up that fight. But you know what? It honestly is for the best because Anderson just got back from an injury anyway. And um, Ben's not a guy that's uh, an easy fight. Let's just say that. So no. And he's the captain. He's trying to, he's trying to spark his team, but how much of a spark are you going to give your team when you're down by, uh, by three goals and you're kicked out for the rest of the game? That's right. That's right. Not much of a spark there. Yeah. So he kind of overdid it. He did. He did. And so did Sagay, who got a penalty near the, but at least he wasn't kicked out of the game. Uh, and Drouin absolutely 100% deserved that, uh, that five minutes in a game. And he deserved that $5,000 fine. He Not did. arguing that at he all. Did. But I'm going to give him props for actually standing up for himself. Yeah, 100%. Like the, the players have to do this a little bit more often. We saw it last night with Suzuki he laid a clean hit on uh, Ryan Suter. Yeah. Ryan Suter is not a slouch. He's not a tough guy by any means, but he's not a small man. He's a veteran player, a very defensive, um, a defensively smart player. And he did not see that hit coming. It was clean, but I think he realized how clean of a hit it was but he still went after Suzuki and because Suzuki was kind of sticking up for himself. I think that's why other players on the ice didn't really skate over and, and jump in and maybe try to yeah. take on, take on Suter for him because they, they were like, this guy's handled himself. Okay. Right now. And the ref took both of them. I was, I really liked Suzuki's game against Dallas. He had a poor game against Arizona and, uh, Ducharme took him aside in between games and said, Hey, you know, went over a few things. We need more from you. And, and he took that, uh, that challenge and he ran with it. Yeah. Like he played an, an excellent game against Dallas. It was a good game. Not just the points, the, the interaction between him and Suter all yeah. night long, yeah. the constant battle that they had and Suzuki was winning most of them. Yeah. And he was engaged. He was engaged physically. He's, he blocked some shots um obviously his face-off numbers still aren't as uh, high as what we'd like to see them as but that's something that'll come uh in time but um for me it was the assist off the Toffoli goal I thought that was yeah. a beautiful pass oh yeah saucer pass across that uh, right over the defender one timer in oh thing of beauty that's the kind of game we can uh, that uh makes you look at Suzuki and say that's a number one centerman yeah. When he can, you, he's showing that he can do it. Now he needs to do that on a consistent basis. This year may not be the best time for that. No, um, no. Just because it's a poor year. But now that the NHL lineup is starting to come back into place with everyone coming back off COVID protocol, injuries are coming back. We might start to see a more consistent, productive Nick Suzuki, who, by the way, is going to be an all-star this year. Absolutely. Before we move on, there is some. There was a few players that I think stood out for the wrong reasons. Um, one of them was Jeff Petrie. I thought he took some. Uh, he took two penalties last night that I thought were avoidable. Uh, especially yeah, a lot the of stick infractions right, with him, right? Especially the puck over the last one um, towards the end of the game, which led to the third goal for Dallas. Um, he knows he needs to be better. Team knows he needs to be better. We know he needs to be better. Um, he's shown some flash lately here and there, but that consistency needs to get back. Um, he talked earlier in the season about doing too much. And I think he's, he's starting to go back to that, trying to do too much. He needs to go back and find his game and get back to the Petrie that earned that big contract extension that was handed out from the former GM. And then it's something that we, you know, we can look at this guy and, and say, you know, you are the number one defenseman on this team. Yeah, I don't know if he he was having problems when he was the number one in Edmonton, and now that he's the number one in Montreal, he's having problems with that as well. Um, as good as he is, I don't know if he take if he can if he's good at shouldering that kind of pressure. No, and I think he's I think he's really missed Edmonton, and I and yeah, it's going to take some time to to even build that partnership back up because it's been so long since they played together. Yeah, almost a year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, 
One more thing. One more thing before we move on. Um, I'm liking the game so far of Rhett Pitlick from what we've seen. So from a guy that's been a waiver pickup, he's picked up a goal and assist in his last two games with the team. The only thing I didn't really like last night is the fact that they, this guy is not a center, never played center ever. And well, they he's, start, he's and, listed as a center. He's, he's played some, but he's not a center. No, he's not. And I hope that they learn from that last night. I still think he had an okay game, but he's not a guy that you want, that I want to see down the middle of the ice. So um, I would rather if, if you're, if you're going to play somebody at center that has played center, put Drew on center, if that's what you need to do. Yeah. Uh, and Pitlick, Rem Pitlick, I think is, he's, he's a decent waiver pickup. I think he's, he's worth keeping for a bottom six you know, winger. Well, you know uh, what? He's, he's an R, he's an RFA. He yeah. said some really good things about the team and I, I agree. I think he could be a guy that could come in, could contribute, play up and down the lineup, kind of like a, a new age Jordan wheel. Well, let's not, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I mean, whoa, whoa. There's only one Jordan wheel. That's right. But no, I mean, he's, he's got good speed. He's got, uh, he, he's very good on the four check. He, he can do the cycle game. He's got a decent shot. He can put up a few points here and there. Not much of a, not much of a problem throwing a guy like that in your bottom six. No. You got, you got Pizzetta, you got him. Um, the bottom six is not a problem for the Canadians. So I think they'll be okay there. It's just the new GM is going to have a lot of work to add yeah. some skill to that top six. Absolutely. Especially if he wants to develop and develop it into the team that he spoke about in his press yeah. conference. So we'll get into that now. Um, Kent Hughes was announced today. It was introduced today to the media. He had his first press conference, uh, covered a ton of, a ton of ground. There was a hell of a lot of questions. Oh my God. There was a lot of questions every time that they were like, okay, we've got uh, Marco Antoine Gaudin. We got John Lou, we got Eric Engels. And then I'm like, okay. And then there's another three, then another three, then another, I'm like, they've got a lot of airtime. I know like I applaud the Canadians in the way that they did it because I thought I found that it was very professional. I thought that the backdrop having the, uh, the jumbotron down behind them and everything and to do it on the ice. I thought it looked fantastic. And I think aesthetically that it just, it was, it was very much a, you know, welcome to Montreal, Ken Hughes type press conference. This is Chantal Maccabee's her area. I know. I don't think she, she might not have come up with the idea, but the simple fact that it was at center ice with the backdrop of the bell center and the, the scoreboard. And it also had that open feel like this is, they're in the wide open as in we're being open. We're being, it's kind of a, a subconscious yeah. nod to more transparency. And yeah. the simple fact that in Quebec, they're still having some major uh, COVID regulation issues. So putting it in the, in the stadium itself gave them the extra space to allow all the press in. Yeah. So it, it two birds, one stone, but I really like the fact that it gave that, uh, it kind of underscored the, the new transparency era. Yeah. I don't expect a ton of transparency. I mean, it's still the Montreal Canadians, yeah. even with Chantal Maccabee running the uh, <laughs> uh, communications, yeah. they're still not going to be too forthcoming with a lot. That's very true. But, <laughs> and then they started in on can't use right away and they did not give him an opening at all. They started no, in on him they, in French they, they immediately. Yeah. He didn't even get to do his um, opening remarks, which actually they no. apologized at the end. Is he never even got to do an opening statement in English because it was so many and it was boom, 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 right off the <laughs> bat. And uh, you know, good on him. He took it. And I thought he spoke very, very good French. And his French I'm, is his French is really good. It's it's really good, and I'm I'm sure there was some of the hardcore French fans and media that were like, "Sacre bleu!" You know, like, what can we be pissed about now? <laughs> well, if you if you, uh, I was watching it on the uh, the Montreal Canadiens Twitter feed, yeah, you know, li- the live yeah. feed for you yeah. know, that's what's and yeah. there were all kinds of comments. Oh, he's bald, or uh, oh my god, I, how does he not know that word in French? You know, yeah. It, yeah. That's Doesn't he know were... he looks like Jeff Bezos, you know, like those <laughs> yeah. kind of things, right? Yeah. They were yeah. nitpicking. They were nitpicking hard. I mean, yeah. 
I'm going to get in the language thing right off the top and then we'll move on from it and not speak yep. of it again. Yep. But he, the whole time they were saying, we need a GM who speaks French so he can talk to the fans. They hire a GM who speaks French. No, no, no. We, we didn't mean just speak French. We mean yeah. French, French. Yeah. They were, they got, were upset. When it got to the point, and this is not during the press conference, obviously, but there's people on social media that aren't only asking about Ken Hughes if he speaks French. They're saying, well, you've got three kids. Do they speak French? It's like, what does it fucking matter? Exactly. You know, exactly. his his kids aren't going to be the AGMs or anything not that we know of, but it's not <laughs> it's not going to happen. So people need to just grow the fuck up, see that this guy is was picked for a reason. There was a process, which we'll get into as well, and just let the guy have his moment. Let him have this opportunity. He he left a very very good position and a very good job to do this. Let's see what he can do and let's just leave the fucking language out of this and move on. Sure. But, and here's, here's the point I was getting to. Um, So the, the constant, he needs to speak French. The guy needs to speak French. The GM has to be able to converse. Well, you just hired a bilingual Quebecer from Montreal, but he has an Anglophone name. So that really pissed them off, it, which proves it's not about the language. It's, it's almost xenophobic in the fact yeah. that they need someone, or a good Ashinu, someone from, our, uh, from us, yeah. and they want a pure land or a, a pure, pure blood, yeah. uh, old stock Quebecer. When it was Claude Julien hired as the head coach, there was not one friggin' word about the fact that he is a Francophone from Ontario. That's right. It, because his last name is French. Yeah. So no problems there, but they're going to get all up in arms over the Quebecer who's bilingual. Come on now. Yeah. So. But you know what? He did handle himself very well. Oh my God. Yeah. And the he one thing. He controlled that, that uh, press conference. He when did. They were... And, and so the they... one thing I want to get into um, yeah. is right off the bat, they were talking about. And Jeff Gordon said it really well. Um, Ken Hughes is not my best friend. <laughs> yeah. And the, because the media has really made this seem like, yes, there was 11 people that were interviewed for this position. But it seemed that from day one, this was their guy. And he they was definitely and they, a front runner. He was definitely a front runner. However, they even stamped that out during the press conference and said, they went to Hughes and Hughes said, I'll think about it. Carry on with carry, you know, carry on, carry on with your search. And they, they obviously went, looked at 10 other people, including the finalists that ended up being Darsh, Hughes and Briere. Yeah. And then passed on and said that there was some very good candidates. They all came from different backgrounds. They all brought something different to the team and there was a secondary question that was talking about AGMs or other positions within the organization that could be filled. And Jeff Gordon said that he would like to talk to a few more of these, um, these candidates again. So we've talked about this before that they might bring in some of these posi- uh, people for into player development or different AGM roles, which I, would, yeah. which would be welcome. I still um, think Daniel Sauvageau is going to be one of those people. It could very well happen. Yeah. Or yeah. Castonguay or one of them. One yeah. of the, I think I do I do believe we'll see a woman um, hired. I do. Um, the one thing though, that I just need to get off my chest is he was a like Hughes was a little bit snappy in one of those questions. Oh yeah, because and it was to do with him deserving uh, deserving the position, and he said like if I wasn't the guy that they wanted, or if I wasn't the guy that was the most experienced or the the most deserving of this position, I wouldn't be in this position, and. I was sitting here and I was just waiting for a soundbite to happen either from someone in the media or if, if, if Gordon or Molson had a little bit more of a sense of humor, 
if one of them would have turned to them to turn to Ken Hughes and been like, why are you so pissy? I would have died. <laughs> right. I would have died if somebody would have said that because it probably would have just erupted and everyone would have laughed. True. Um, but, but I noticed instead, that the, you heard it here. <laughs> yeah. But I noticed that the questions, they were coming fast and furious from the Francophone media about that because they, you know, each one had their own favorite, you know, pathetic, whatever. So as soon as he said that in French as well, the, uh, the tone of the entire press conference changed. They stopped harping on that. And then they moved on to the important part. Yes. They moved on to the part about what is your vision for this team? Yep. Like it's clear that Gordon and, uh, and Hughes complement each other in a way that, that uh, Gordon had with Davidson in the, with the Rangers. Uh, Hughes is a little bit more uh, experienced in hockey. You know, he played it uh, at a high level. He's been an, an agent for a very long time. He has experience with development. He has experience with uh, negotiations. So that's, these are areas that Gorton has some weaknesses in. So the two together w- work well, just like with Davidson. So yes, that's why he didn't hire his best friend. <laughs> he even said, I would, I wouldn't hire my best friend to do this job. I wouldn't do that to you guys because, <laughs> you know, two, ba- two Boston boys That's right. would do well in Montreal. Let me yeah. tell you, <laughs> but they moved on to the important stuff and the, the vision. So he mentioned uh, the two of them, Gordon and uh, Hughes mentioned analytics and development a uh, shitload. They did. And uh, John, uh, John Lou actually asked the question of, uh, what style of play envisions for the team on uh, offensive dif- on the offensive side, defensive side, goaltending, et cetera. And he said, I'm in a, in a perfect world, we'd have an offensive minded club, one that plays fast, fast with a pocket possession team. And he then added that uh, he knows that he has to build around his existing players, but there was a little bit of a pause there. So it kind of seems that I've got a vision for this team. These are the players that I have there might be moves that need to be made to get the team to where we, where I envision it. Yeah. And um, to tie into that, that point, and we'll keep going there, but I want to just mention that in the, the Twitch uh, stream that happened immediately after the press conference, he was asked about uh, the youth on the team and the way he was talking about Suzuki Romanov and Caulfield uh, made it very clear that those three are part of his core. So clearly those guys are staying and they play the kind of game that he was mentioning. Like they, they, they like to play the possession game. They play with speed. They, they have, they have skill. They're offensive minded, but Hughes said, as an agent, I know that building a winner means not just a bunch of guys who can score. You need other types. You need guys who can play defense. So he understands that point. So Suzuki is one of those guys that can play a little defensively. Uh, Romanov's there, <laughs> clearly. He's a defenseman. <clears throat> so I'm wondering about who else kind of fits that possession skill game. I think Anderson would fit that. I think so. So I wouldn't be too scared about him being traded away. I, don't, big th- Anderson I, don't, fan. I, can't, see, I can't see him moving. I, I can't see Edmondson moving. I can't see Savard moving. Um, no, Savard won't move just because he just got signed and no one's going to take on that contract yet. That's right. Um, I could see a guy like Hoffman possibly going out, but then you, you're losing, you're losing a pretty big weapon on your, on your power play. True. But it, it, the way that, uh, he mentions analytics so often, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I would keep to Foley over Hoffman. Yeah. Cause he's clearly going to be. Like he said, he's using what he has right now and he's yeah. trying to build towards something. Yeah. And at the the end goal, players like Anderson and I mean, Toffoli would be able to fit in that kind of a game. And Toffoli already said that he wants to stay in Montreal and be part of the solution. So that's yeah. a good yeah. sign. Yeah. But Hoffman, yeah, I can see him being somebody that the analytics side of the house would say maybe trade him when you have a chance. That's right. 
because I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at the roster right now. And I, I know that the, the trade deadline is going to be another thing that he's going to, that uh, Hughes is going to have to take and run with. Yeah. Um, and I'm just wondering if say Allen's back from injury and then you say you have Allen and Primo as a tandem, do you look to move Montembeau to another team for a draft pick? Because I don't think he's going to be in their plans for next season, especially if price is back. Montembeau. Yeah. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to be in their plans going into next season. Probably not. Um, there's there's some talk about price in this press conference as well clearly they jumped all over that part um do you want to talk about price right now yeah sure go ahead okay well uh when they asked about him they they asked if they asked molson if he wanted price to finish his career as a montreal canadian and i want to make it clear that molson did not answer that question he responded with we want him to come back healthy and play again that that's it. We just want him to come back. We want him hundred percent healthy. We want him back playing the way he, the way we know he can. He didn't say a peep about whether or not he wanted to stay a Montreal Canadian his entire career. So is that because there's an opening that he might move or is that just shrewd to not answer, to leave the door open in case they have to. Personally, I think it's just a, you know, don't put any, un, any more undue pressure on price and his family. Um, I just think that, um, he's, you know, he's restarting this process for his knee and there was some, there was some, uh, there was some, um, delays because of COVID and travel and whatever else. And, um, do I think he's going to be back? I I do. I do think he's going to be back, but it's not going to be until he's a hundred percent. And I'm happy that the, um, the organization isn't they're looking at the state of the, of the, uh, the organization right now, where the team is in the standings. Do you need to bring back your superstar goaltender at this point in the season? You don't have to rush him. Exactly. You just don't have to rush him. Let so him even, you know, I, I want to see him play this year. Yes. If he misses this year entirely and comes back healthy with this, say rejuvenated team or this rejiggered team, whatever you want to call it, I would be okay with that too. Yep. No, I think that'd be, that's fine and fair. Um, because then you've got your, your, your GM has then went through a trade deadline. He's went through free agency. He's went through a draft. That's going to be very important. It's going to be Montreal this year. Um, then you possibly are going to look at a new coaching staff. He did answer that question. And it was, uh, it was a question that came from French media as well. And yeah, I wanted um, to get into that as well. Yeah, and he, so we'll jump right into that right now. He was asked about, uh, you know, new GM comes in, usually a GM picks his coach. Is that the case with you? And he said no. Um, and then he got into talking about uh, what he sees in a coach. And he said that uh, the ideas, the idea and the qualities that he's looking for are tactics of a modern coach. And um, he said that he'll make an assessment of Dom Ducharme once he gets to know him better and once he's able to evaluate their system and, uh, it's and, and see what, see what comes of it. Yeah. He mentioned with the coaching that, um, you need a coach that fits the team you have. So he mentioned the Islanders and Barry yes. Trotz. He said, that's yeah. a very good fit because Trotz coaches a certain style and they have a team that plays that, that has the, uh, the players who can yeah. play that they have style. the skill set for that style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, is Dom Ducharme a guy who can coach a possession offensive minded team? He did it in junior, but that's a different animal. So yeah, those tactics uh, have to change at some point. Yeah. And we've talked yeah. about this many times this season. It just seems that the, the tactics that he has his players going through, they're, they're not working for this group and, and they have used, and you can make the argument that they've used, every goddamn player that they have in the organization this season. Yeah, they did, um, yeah. But, uh, and, and, you know, to f- try to find a little bit of chemistry is probably a difficult thing to do at this point, but it's been an issue f- since the start of the season. I don't see I don't see Hughes being in a rush 
to no. uh, to fire him and bring someone else in. No. He's going to take his time. Uh, there's this team's uh, this season's cooked. It so is. why not let Ducharme finish out the year, <clears throat> kind of audition whatever system he wants to audition, uh, make tweaks based on what Hughes is mentioning, what the direction he wants to go, see if there's a fit, and then at the end of the season, make your decision. If he, yeah. if you don't feel like he's a fit. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Bye-bye then. And, and I, I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to move on from him after this year, but they're going to give him an opportunity to prove that he can fit into whatever new system they want. Yeah. And uh, Hughes was talking about how he's going to go about building a team and what the priorities are. And again, analytics, development, he harped on that a lot yeah i liked so, his i liked his comment on development when they when he said the comment of uh you draft a player players not working out he wants to know why it's not working out yeah what do they need to do to change to fit yeah. for the player or, 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 yeah or why didn't it work out yeah and he wants the answers of why of, of of when and why right so and he was asked about um um the scouting department and um, if he would bring in anybody or anything like that. And he brought up uh, Martin Lapointe and um, Gordon talked about Lapointe as well and said that uh, he is comfortable with him being the evaluator of um, um, these, the, the, these upcoming, these upcoming players, but said that uh, the scouting department needs to be built up, which obviously it would, if you lose Trevor Timmons, from your scouting department, obviously that's a pretty big uh, hole to fill. Yeah. So don't be surprised if you see another few bodies added. Uh, yeah. Gordon department. said there's not going to be much done through the season because he said that not too many teams are too keen on you poaching that's right. scouting staff during right. the season. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I would fully expect that so- sometime in August, we're going to see a massive influx of scouts, uh, you know, in Europe, in, in Western Canada, more scouts in Quebec through the QMJHL Northeastern United States. I think right now they only have one, so they'll probably add a couple more. So yeah, I can totally see that. And Hughes was mentioning a bit about how he's going to go about building the team. And he spoke more about how to, he wants to establish an identity for this team. So he talked about, he wants uh, an offensive minded team, a possession team. Well, he said the character is also a skill set. So, uh, sorry, Bergevin haters who made fun of the character comments. It's it's a common theme. You really do need to have that work ethic to take the advantage of that skill set. So, uh, it's not going to be the main feature like it was with Bergevin, but it's in there. And he wants that identity for the club built up. He wants them to work towards that one goal. So they want, they want uh, players that'll work together. They want, they want that family atmosphere. So that, and when he was talking about it, I, I, it makes perfect sense. We do that in our day jobs. We try to create a, uh, uh, an us versus the world mentality, a family atmosphere where you're a professional, but you're also, it's kind of a brotherhood, a siblinghood, if you will. So it makes sense to me. I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, who these G, these uh, possible AGMs are going to be, who else could be brought in uh, to the organization. Yeah. Because um, Hughes seems to be somebody that's, uh, you know, teams have wanted to add him to a hockey ops position for quite some time. Gordon said that he tried to when he was with the Rangers and it just wasn't the time. So it, it never uh, developed into anything. Um, he's had some very good, um, relationships with a lot of players, a lot of ex players. Um, he was, uh, Vinny LeCavier's coach for a long time or coach, uh, agent for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, there's been a lot of rumors that, uh, Vinny LeCavier might join the team in some capacity. Yeah. And he said that he spoke to LeCavier, uh, about the, uh, taking the job. And according to LeCavier's brother, uh, Vinny told him take take the job because not going to not going to play in Montreal was one of his regrets. And honestly, I'm kind of happy he didn't because the trade 
<laughs> the tree would have gutted the Canadians. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> but no, it, and it makes perfect sense. And just on a side note as well, before the trade deadline comes up, Gorton made it very clear no one has requested a trade out of Montreal. So let's put an end to all those rumors now. No one wants out right now. But don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if you see a few names uh, moved on. Uh, some that we already think are going to move, but there might be some surprises. Yeah. And if not, there could be some surprises at the at the draft. You know, honestly, I think they'll be very busy at the draft. The, the trade deadline, I think, is going to go pretty standard. Uh, any UFA is going to be gone, like Kulak, Sherratt. Uh, we might see a surprise. I doubt it. But I think the draft is where all the big like leading up to the draft is where we're going to see the big heavy trades. Yeah. And then we'll see what, kind of what he does. I mean, really? Yeah. It's, 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 kind of, it's, it's a, it's a little bittersweet that Sherratt's going to move on because I think that he's taken a step this, um, this year, not even on the offense, not even his personal game. It's kind of the leadership aspect of it. And he's kind of taken the defensive core and he's kind of made it his own. And he, and, um, He'll be a guy that'll be missed on the blue line if if, the, if he doesn't come back. Yeah, but um, I mean, I'll be honest. He, yeah, it's time to move on because well, you know he's redundant in the system. It's true. It's true. They they do have they do have players that can uh, that can replace some of they can bring someone in that can replace them. However. You look at the players this season on the on the on the defensive side, and other than Romanov, he's really been the one consi- you know the 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 consistent uh, players on the blue line this season. Yeah. That just des- that despite loss after loss after loss after loss, they're still giving it their all, and you, you know can count I, on them. Yeah, you can count on. I wouldn't have been disappointed if Sherratt would have been the all-star selection for the Canadians. No, no. I still think, you know, Weidman got screwed over because of the headbutt, but you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know what? Suzuki definitely deserves it. He does. Um, But if it would have been Sherratt, I know a lot of people would have made fun of it, but you know what? Given the state of the team, fuck it. Like let let the guy go. Yeah, exactly. Um, What was I going to say about, uh... (sighs) I had something in my head. I kind of, I kind of, phased out there <laughs> we, we went out and we rambled on and i forgot it um <laughs> no i jeez uh, it was just there oh you ruined it for me sorry about that damn it kodak black kodak black kodak black <laughs> <laughs> what, what's no nope, he's not there um oh he, yes so um another aspect with hughes's hiring is the the connection that he has at northeastern yes he has both two of his sons play for northeastern who and their teammates of jordan harris so and jaden struber and jaden struber but uh, but right now harris is the the big ticket he's the the guy yeah yeah um with with moving guys out like sherrod that opens up a roster spot he can he can probably convince him to sign. Now the the percentages of Harris signing go up a little bit in my in my view. They do, they do. With Hughes coming in, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. And uh, his uh, Kent Hughes's son, younger son, Jack Hughes, no relation to the Hughes in New Jersey. Uh, he is a twenty twenty two draft eligible player, and he's he's a first round player. They're expecting him to go in the first round. He's not a top 10 guy though. No, no, no. He's like no. 20 so, to 30. Yeah. So people can be like, can, yeah, he's not going to draft his son in the first, in the, with the, with the, with the top 10, with the top 10 pick. No, no. But if he and Gorton do make a couple of trades, they might be able to pick up a couple of first round picks, yeah. meaning they have the opportunity to pick him up. And Jack Hughes so, is yeah. a center who plays, who plays a, a good two way game, but he's actually, He's a good skater. He's got good speed. So that's something that the Canadians are missing in the system right now. Yeah. So, you know, that's an opportunity that could be taken, but more importantly, Harris. <laughs> yeah, they he, need to think like, that's yeah. their, that's their guy. 
because he's a defender that plays in the new style of uh, NHL defenseman, very mobile, uh, thinks the game offensively, has a good uh, good positioning on the defensive zone and tight gaps. So he's not going to overpower you with hits like Romanov does, but he plays that more mobile gap control, gets the puck up ice, and he's got a good shot and a great pass. So he can quarterback a power play, and that's something the Canadians are really missing right now. Yeah, but with the player development being so important, I don't see Hughes as being one of the people that are going to rush any of these players if they're not ready. No, no, no. So so, so the the thing is, um, obviously, if uh, if Harris signs – if uh, if Harris signs, um, that would be perfect, obviously, for the organization. But if they deem that he's not ready, then he'll play probably top minutes in Laval. Yeah, if they like this year, this season is pretty much a, a wash anyway. So you can use the, uh, I the think NHL would, roster yeah, position yeah. to entice him. Yeah. But come next season, yeah, yeah, you got to earn your spot again. So yeah. totally, totally makes sense. Yeah. But you and want him, be, you want him signed. And that'll be the same thing for Gooley. Yeah, for I don't next, see for next him, season. Uh, see, it's tough. Gooley just turned twenty. Yeah, he, just let him play in the AHL for a year. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be good. And then obviously, this is going to be weeks away. Yeah. Um, when they've got to make a decision on Logan Maya, that'll be that'll be that'll be the 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 big thing in the news when it when it does happen. I think they're when they do make their decision, uh, it's probably going to be in the summertime at around the same time as a lot of other big things are happening. So they can slide in the fact that they sign him to his contract because they're not going to renounce the pick. They're not going to no. let him walk away. No. Um, I don't know if, if he fits the character that uh, Kent Hughes wants to instill with the, the organization. Yep. Uh, so Use them in a trade, sure. That could, that, that could happen, or surround them with character players and try to build them up. If they feel that this this young guy is truly repentant and he's doing the things he's supposed to do, and you know does the right thing, says the right things, maybe, maybe. But I cannot see them just letting him walk. No, I don't think it's going to happen either. So, because you get a a, com- a second round compensation pick if he's unsigned and you let him walk, <clears throat> but it would be at the end of the second round. So you're, you're losing your 31st pick and it's turning into a uh, 61st or 62nd pick. I, so, I don't know. I don't know. You might get more value if you use them to trade. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it for this episode. Do you have anything else? Um, I'll throw this in here because he's a New Brunswick native. <laughs> uh, Willie O'Ree, uh, his uh, jersey um, has been retired now by the Boston Bruins. Uh, good, you know, first black player to ever play in the NHL. Uh, he's done a hell of a lot of uh, – great things for the game and uh, now he's number 22 number 22 is is uh is hanging in the rafters in boston so good on him yeah um he's done a ton of outreach over the uh, over the the decades that he's been involved in hockey he's broken down all kinds of barriers i think this is a a well-deserved honor now uh treg's not here but he did mention he did make a poll and he asked, should his number be retired league-wide? I don't know. I, I'm even skeptical of Gretzky's being league-wide. Yeah, so I, I'm with you. I, I, as great as Willie O'Ree's accomplish, uh, accomplishments have been, and as important as they have been, uh, league-wide, I'd say no. But, but... I think every team should have uh, a banner up in honor of him. Just, you know, like how they do in major league baseball, they have the Jackie Robinson day. Everyone wears 42. They have 42 on the walls Mm -hmm. and you go to any stadium throughout the year 
and they have a section dedicated to Jackie Robinson. I think something along those lines would be could, perfectly be acceptable. For right now, they're, um, uh, it's more of less a celebration for Black History Month. Um, all the players are going to wear a decal on their helmets. Yeah. Uh, that's going to honor um, Willie O'Ree. And they're going to, they already started wearing them actually. So they were wearing them the other night and that goes until the end of February. Yeah. And again, well-deserved honor for Willie Rurie in the Boston Bruins. Um, as much as we dislike Boston, it was a class act. Yeah, it was. Unlike, uh, unlike Marshawn. <laughs> Who, by the way, committed murder today. When he got taken out by a Prius. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but he committed murder on uh, on Twitter today. He did. The escrow comment was pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Telling the Kane's Twitter account, you're the reason we pay 20% escrow. And scene. Yeah. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Now, if Carolina would have came back with, why are you so pissing? Again would have died (laughs) right i want to see that used more often (laughs) apparently there's t-shirts that say pissy on it Uh, there are and they've already made a uh somebody else made a uh oilers concept jersey with it on it too (laughs) (laughs) you know i think it would have been better had had dry just looked uh specter in the eye and said that's kind of what i'm trying to say bird uh uh uh, Bernsey, what's the Brooksy? I know, what you I know what you trying mean. to, uh, yeah, it's yeah. kind of what I'm trying to get at. Brooksy, you yeah. know, do a John Tortorella, yeah, <laughs> bonus marks on that. It's going to be something we're going to see for a while. There's going to be a lot of people that'll make fun of it. I, I know that a lot of people were angry, uh, at Dry for his uh, his response, but let's be honest you're a professional journalist you don't tell a player he's being pissy yeah but he was he was testy with him before he said that oh god yeah no he was right? terrible so, with him he was yeah. terrible with him yeah. but you're supposed to you're supposed to be the uh the journalist the professional that's right so both sides kind of i think both sides are gonna get talk- i think both sides will get talked to oh i'm sure you know honestly this this kind of thing had it not been over zoom had it just been in the room this wouldn't even be a thing because it wouldn't be recorded by everybody. That's right. And they would just kind of say their thing. And then they'd, afterwards they're like, eh, you know, you know what? It, we'll made a good, it made a good sound bite for me. So it made me, made yeah. me laugh. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, that's all I got. You have anything else? Hoping for just as good an effort tomorrow night against, uh, against Vegas that we saw against Dallas. I don't want to see steps taken back. Uh, Vegas is a very tough team and Saturday they're going to be playing the avalanche also a very good team. They can't start. They, you know, they get, they've got to, they've got to play for jobs at this point because everyone's yeah, every, everyone is everyone's everyone's getting developed or everyone's getting looked at by this new GM and by this new, yeah. this upcoming new staff. And at the same time, um, I've been critical of Ducharme all year. This is the time that he either makes it or breaks it as an as a NHL head coach. If he doesn't uh, either change his systems or find ways that uh, that it's going to make it work with the players that he has, he's going to be sent packing at the end of the season. I agree. I agree. Uh, for me, I don't have uh, I don't really have anything to pass on. I just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I want to remind all our listeners that our Puck Off Loggerdale Beer Giveaway is continuing. If you're 19 and over and you live in Nova Scotia, you can get to an NSLC in Nova Scotia. You are eligible to win a 12 box of Puck Off Loggerdale cans. So all you need to do, tag any one of our social media platform, uh, any one of our social media accounts, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, anywhere that you can find us, go on there, tag us and tell us why you like listening to the show. And you could win 12 cans of puck off Lagerdale. Um, 
for everyone else, we're going to try and find a way to get you guys some free beer if we can, uh, for those outside of Nova Scotia. If we can't, uh, sorry. But you can always check out our website, habsunfiltered.net. There's, there's links to all our sponsors. We've got promo codes to get you uh, discounts on whatever you buy through them. Go there, check it out, buy as much as you want. Yeah. Hopefully it helps you out. You might not be equipment. able, you might not be able to get beer, but you can get hockey equipment and a new stick and your balls shaved all in one, all in one stop. A couple of t-shirts and protein <laughs> bars. The one-stop shop. One-stop shop. <laughs> it's the Walmart of hockey podcasts. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, you guys make this fun. Uh, we had a great time chatting with everybody online today during the, uh, the Kent Hughes presser. There was a lot of pretty good back and forth on there. So uh, please keep that up. We really love it. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.